Kneel before Zod! You can't go! All the plants are gonna die! I'm gonna take a bath. Bad dates. I'll alert the media. Boys, keep off the moors. It's evil! Don't touch it! The name's Pliskin. No! Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're rewatching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in chronological order, overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we're discussing Dawn of the Mummy, released December 11th, 1981. It was written by Daria Price, Ronald Dobrin, and Frank Agrama, based on a story by Price and Dobrin, directed by Frank Agrama, and released by Harmony Gold USA. The film was shot in Egypt by a mostly Italian crew. Some version of the film was evidently graphic enough to warrant cutting 1 minute and 43 seconds across 12 scenes, but I believe we watched the Anchor Bay DVD, which has been fully restored. It was allegedly remade in 2013 as Prisoners of the Sun, but we'll discuss that at the end. It has also played on Schleffes, the German MST3K. We discussed in our review of Fulci's Zombie, Italy's lax copyright law with regard to sequelizing films that you don't own, which is why in some markets, Zombie is marketed as Zombie 2, as an unofficial sequel to Zombie, which is the Italian retitle of Romero's Dawn of the Dead. Likewise, in some home video markets, this film is branded Zombie 6, The Mirage, a part of the same franchise. Well, that actually fits more with what happens in yeah, this movie, yeah. especially I think so later. too. Probably on account of these mummies being more zombie-like than the usual breed. <laughs> we open on four horsemen riding through the deserts of Egypt in 3000 BC. Villagers see them coming and run for their lives. The horsemen catch up with a few and beat them with whips. One villager here mentions the coming of Sepharamon. They kidnap a young boy and ride off into the desert. Later, inside a burial chamber, we see a row of burial slaves bringing gifts into a tomb. A priestess enters the chamber and says a prayer to Osiris for Sepharamon. The deceased pharaoh is laid across a platform in front of her. She asks Osiris not to judge Sepharamon by what the people say about him. One of the slaves opens the dead man's chest with a blade, and his organs are removed and placed in small bowls. It is done. All who know the burial place of Sepharamon must die. You will rise when he rises. You will kill when he kills. All except me. Right. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah. Presumably this means her too, but the slaves are all surprisingly agreeable to the plan. The men all rest their heads on the closed sarcophagus and poisonous gas floods the room. Is that how this worked? How did they do that? <laughs> he who will enter this tomb after it is sealed will die on the dawn of the mummy. Which, as we all know, is April 7th. Yeah. What? Which which is where I expected the film titles to come in. Yeah. But they don't. Nope. They come in much later and much more randomly. Yeah. We jump cut thousands of years into the future as explosives demolish a mountainside and reveal the opening of a tomb. A white American imperialist named Rick and his two assistants, Tarak and Karib, prepare to raid the tomb, but Rick says they need to leave it open overnight for the poison gas to dissipate. I think it would have settled by now if it's been in there for thousands of years. It's not still floating around in the air. 
Yeah, and but I guess maybe the explosion could have just It's like if you disturbed. fart in a hot car and close the door. <laughs> you might still get a whiff when you come back. Suddenly we hear the piercing shriek of a toothless old woman who has apparently warned them against pursuing this tomb. Wah! <laughs> She charges them full speed and Rick throws her to the ground. She tells him the pharaoh will come back and kill them for what they've done and he pulls out a handgun and points it at her face. He fires it a couple times in the air and she runs away. Is this supposed to be the same woman? It seemed like it was the same woman, but I don't think it was supposed to be. Like you think you think they might have just used the same actress? Uh, I didn't get a good. I didn't get it. It's hard to tell on this transfer. It it is super hard to tell. But I was trying to figure out if it was supposed to be like one of those. You know, I live forever to guard the tomb sort of situations. Like like the the Grail Guardian. Yeah, Yeah, she doesn't seem very immortal. Later, so I'm thinking no. But also, uh, the priestess wanted somebody to to find the mummy. Right. Like that. That her goal is to have him come back. Well, at first she's telling them not to go in there and not to disturb it. No, no, no. The priestess. Oh, the priestess. Like the, pri- the priestess is like saying like, he's like, he will arise again. Oh, so she wants people to find it so that they can come back and just wreak havoc on the land. Yeah. The, but this woman, Xena, seems to want yeah. to keep it hidden. But then how does she even know about it? But why would this lady say, no one can say where this burial place is? Because I want it to be found organically, but yeah. I also definitely need it to be found. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's the one-eyed Willie's map thing. Yeah. It's like he killed all his men. It's like, well, wait a minute. How did the map or the story get out? Yeah. Rick assures his cohorts that once the poison gas has dissipated, it will be completely safe to enter the tomb, and he tells them to guard it overnight. But they don't. In the middle of the night, we see a few men moving through the desert on camels, and they cross paths with the crazy old woman who we learn here is named Xena. She begs them to stop the raiding of the tomb. They ask her where it is, presumably intending to rob it first, despite Xena's numerous warnings. They sneak past the open tomb's worthless guards, and inside they are immediately choking on the fumes. They split up and head down separate hallways, but eventually reconvene as they are attacked. Their faces are all melty and scarred now. When two of the three men have been killed, the third makes a run for it, and we get our title card here! Yeah. (laughs) As we cut to a montage of present-day New York. A model poses on roller skates for a photographer in Central Park. We cut to, I think, the same woman. Uh, Yeah, so so my note here is like, uh, Lisa on roller skates proves that I am sexist because I thought we were focusing on the photographer as our next main character. (laughs) I was like, oh, we're following her. I am an asshole. I didn't even realize we were following anyone. I'm like, montage of random people yeah. in New York. This because is just what happens there. Things things like peop- like models on roller skates happen in New York. Like yeah. I didn't realize that was significant in any way. Yeah. We cut to the same woman walking down the sidewalk looking like a young Sally Kellerman. Next, we see a cowgirl redhead complete with a 10-gallon hat all wandering the streets of New York. And then we cut to a plane leaving New York for Egypt. And we hear half of a phone call announcing that a top magazine is sending all their best models for an Egyptian photo shoot. If this trip doesn't land some great photo spreads, they will lose a major contract. It's all like just generic. Yeah, Yeah, generic gibberish. It's just like hopefully the photos come in for the big boss client yeah I feel like money this, business this uh phone call was a an add-on in post yeah maybe <laughs> because it seemed like nobody knew what was going on yeah but the whole new york scene i think is completely unnecessary because i think you could cut from the stuff happening in egypt to a car of models showing up in mm-hmm. egypt and i'd be like i get it i get it yeah <laughs> 
We cut to a pair of Jeeps overloaded with models and photographers driving past the Great Pyramids. Melinda in the front seat of one Jeep is touching up her toenail paint, and Jenny, the frizzy-haired girl in the back seat, urges her to appreciate the amazing landmarks around them. Yeah, this was a very Quentin Tarantino moment. Yeah, her, gotta just get her, these feet in frame. Yeah, just, just full-on pressed up against the windshield. Yeah. June is driving the second Jeep and comments on the incredible pyramids while the photographer in the back seat tries to take pictures of a third model, Lisa. She asks if they can at least wait till they get where they're going to bother her for pictures. In the middle of the desert, one of the Jeeps pops a tire and June begins changing it. Gary and Lisa climb over the nearest sand dune to explore while they wait. They're chasing each other over the dune until Gary knocks Lisa down and she rolls down the other side and comes face to face with a human head sticking out of the sand with a melted face. Or perhaps a severed head just sitting on the sand? Yeah. I can't tell. She screams in terror and the guys drag her back to the jeeps. Back at Sepharamon's tomb, the American and his assistants Tariq and Karib are setting more explosives. They blast their way into a small chamber full of statues and clay pots. It's like... Is there not a nicer way to do this? Just nope. slide these bricks out the way that they were put in originally? Karib is annoyed at the lack of gold. He starts smashing ancient artifacts like they aren't worth more than the gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just like, I mean, I guess gold is easier probably to fence. Yeah, especially um, if you're if you're ruining the origin of it by blasting it into this place. Or, or, or if you take the gold and you just melt it down. Yeah. The American assures him there will be a treasure room with traditional riches somewhere in these caves. Suddenly, another explorer named Zeki shows up and addresses the American as Rick. They are old friends, and Zeki is paying for this expedition. We cut back to the models and photographers who have set up camp somewhere for the night. It sounds like they're being left here for three days. The next day, the photographer points out some random hills that he thinks would make a decent background for photographs. They were complaining about the dunes all looking the same. It's like, you were right next to the pyramids. Yeah. Why did you, you leave kept the driving. pyramids? Yeah. That looks good. Let's go over there. Let's die there. <laughs> In the tomb, Tariq and Karib carry more explosives and nearly drop them. Hey, the tomb raiders make their way into the chamber with the sarcophagus. He assures them the gold is inside. When they get it opened, all they find is the pharaoh, Sepharamon, inside. Rick is ecstatic to have found the mummy, but his friends still just wanted gold. He tells them it must be here somewhere. Karib suddenly senses the activation of the curse, but it's just a mouse on his back. And Rick calls it a rat, but it's definitely just a mouse. Yeah, it's, it's a big mouse, but it's a... He shakes it off, and they continue searching. While the photographer gets shots of Gary and June arm-in-arm in, arm in the desert, suddenly... A man in the distance fires shots at them. The whole photo crew scatter and Rick is drawn out of the tomb by the commotion. Karib is still firing on the photo crew when Rick gets outside and shouts at him to stop. What are you doing? They are after the gold. Oh, you idiot. They're probably just tourists. I don't know where here. Rick apologizes to the crew for their mistake. The photographer stomps right up to the open tomb to argue with the men who were just shooting at him. Somehow, they're completely incapable of preventing these models and photographers from just wandering into the tomb and exploring wherever they like. Well, and these guys were just shooting at you. Yeah. I don't know why you feel so comfortable yeah. going into a closed area near them. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> this is where I would start shooting at them again. Yeah, I, I don't understand, like, 
well, first of all, I don't understand the models. I was like, oh, wow, an ancient tomb. Let's let's go inside. Yeah, we're definitely allowed in here. Yeah. Um, but also, it's like, you guys have guns. He's, he's just trying to be, like, super nice. I guess he's worried that they'll go to the authorities. But I feel like Rick is not above murder. Right. The photographer falls in love with the tomb as a shooting location. Rick tells the men that they cannot take photos in here because they don't have permits, but the photographer claims that his magazine got permission to shoot anywhere in the entire city of Barca where this tomb is located. Presumably whoever gave them that permission didn't know there was this ancient tomb here. Right. The photographer can't believe his luck finding the place. A mummy in an undiscovered tomb. <laughs> Rick suggests to his underlings that they put up with this photo team for a few days since they aren't after treasure, only a few pictures. They take photographs all day while the mummy simmers under set lights. Yeah, so... Simmers. <laughs> I was really quite trying to figure out what was going on. I can't tell if it's just the curse activating or if it's literally the lights, but they keep cutting to a reverse angle yeah. at the bulbs. So I think what's happening here is that the lights are are like the sun because mm. they, they associate this mummy with the sun on several yeah. occasions. And when so. they say you will, when you rise, then the slaves will rise. Right, right. So I feel like this is activating him as if the sun were in there, but they didn't really reveal that. Like, it was supposed to be the only thing that would mm -hmm. wake this guy up was stealing his treasure. So yeah. I or presumably thousands of years from now, the ceiling would erode and he would be open to the air. Yeah, maybe. It or just, it seems a little odd because the, I, I don't know what the lights are supposed right. to do, but it seems like they're trying to make him like the sun. But what's also weird is that this... It doesn't immediately like they have to come back and keep putting lights up. Yeah, like. It, it, the, but this is why they say like no flash photography around ancient artifacts because <laughs> like the light is bad for them and it causes them to resurrect and murder people. Yeah, that, that, that's the reason. <laughs> that's the reason. Rick and his men are paused in their exploration until the crew leave. We get little inserts of juices leaking out and bubbling from the mummy. I can't tell if it's because of the lights or the curse. After a while, smoke billows out of the bubbling holes. They seem nearly done for the day when Rick inexplicably slices the wire of their equipment with a knife and the tomb goes dark. Like they were literally just talking about leaving. Yeah. And then he cut the wire. The photographer says he can't get anything done like this and he sends his assistant Jenny to collect some equipment in the dark. She accidentally dips her hands in some kind of corrosive liquid in the tomb and it's burning her flesh immediately. He sent Jenny for the Jenny. Ah. Uh, <laughs> The photographer calls it a day, and they leave the tomb. <laughs> he calls it, yeah. I mean, that's basically it. It's like, yeah. oh, okay. Fine. Well, if, a, if a severed head isn't going to stop him from shooting yeah. around here, why would a, a an acid-burned hand? Yeah, especially since they're not taking her to a hospital. <laughs> that's not what's <laughs> happening here. That night, Jenny wakes up screaming because her hand is completely untreated and melting away. I don't know why she hasn't even been bandaged up. This is insane. Her fingers are literally smoking from chemicals dissolving her hand muscles, and they haven't taken her to a hospital. June enters to convince Jenny to just go back to sleep and not deal with it at all. <laughs> Karib sneaks into the tomb that night in search of gold. No idea why Rick and Tariq aren't here too, because this is like the next available, like the whole point of getting the photo team out was so that you could work in here all night. Right. Karib literally slices open the mummy's wrappings and finds the gold treasures he seeks wrapped up with the mummy. We get inserts of the many standing sarcophagi around the room watching him. A wall suddenly opens behind him, and he stupidly wanders through the opening. Still standing in the doorway, the stone wall comes back down and conks him on the head. He's knocked unconscious, and something drags him into the chamber before the wall closes again. But into the chamber he was 
in he originally. He was walking toward Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the next morning, Rick and Tariq are confused why the torches are lit in here and where Kareeb has gone. They see gold in the unwrapped mummy and completely lose their shit. Gold! 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 Yeah! Ah! Ah! But they don't question it at all, considering no. they left a mummy there without stacks yeah, of gold on out. him. Someone found this and then left. And left it. What? Their celebration is interrupted with the return of the photo crew. Apparently, they had to come back to finish yesterday's aborted shoot. The photographer complains about his assistant Jenny's makeup work because she has to do it left-handed since her right hand died yesterday and nobody cares. The mummy bubbles and smokes under the hot lights again. This time it even wiggles a bit. When the photo crew and tomb raiders have all cleared the room, the mummy leans forward and opens its eyes. We cut back to the camp where male model Gary plays a terrible song for Melinda. June comes to tell them the horses are freaking out and when they go to check on them, the horses have been disemboweled in the sand. Melinda has a panic attack, and when she turns around, she comes face-to-face -face with a melty-headed monster, possibly one of Seferamon's burial guards, or maybe just a coincidental mutant. Uh, I think it's supposed to be... Uh, one of the guys that broke in? Yeah, the guy who, who got conked on the head. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you think? It's, oh, no, I think it's one of the original guys. I that... think it's one of the first three oh, guys that went in. Yeah, they got yeah, yeah. hit by the poison. I think the other guy does come back later. Mm. They effortlessly throw him to the ground where he appears to die again. Melinda continues running and crashes into Rick from the tomb and faints in his arms. He carries her to her bed. Rick tells the others that this area is too dangerous for their photo session, but they don't have a ride out of town for another couple days. Later, Gary tells the photographer he wants to leave, and the photographer is super pissed off to hear more complaining. The photographer asks Rick for one more day in the tomb, and they'll be out of his hair. For some reason, he agrees, but I guess he doesn't have much choice. Yeah. They have more permission to be here than Rick does, so might as well put up with them. In the middle of the night, Rick starts caressing Melinda in her sleep, and she wakes up to make out with him. Like, she's like, oh, yeah, this is fine that you're doing this. Yeah. Hello, handsome Rick. Xena, the crazy harbinger from way back at the start, is suddenly wandering through the tomb and finds Seferamon's empty wrappings in his sarcophagus. She continues exploring and finds the mummy and hugs it. <laughs> He returns the show of affection by strangling her to death. <laughs> As she collapses, she warns him that this action will wake the corpses of his army, and we cut to that happening in the desert sand. This was actually a cool shot. Yeah. I, I really like the wide shot of just people rising up out of the sand. Yeah. The desert zombies slowly stumble toward the camp. In the morning, we see Rick leaving Melinda's tent and walking to his jeep. The photographer takes random pictures, and for the first time, the models say his name. Good morning, Bill. Hi, Bill. Hi. They plead with him not to return to the tomb. He tells them they need one more day in the tomb, and one day at an oasis, and they'll all get paid bonuses. We cut right to them in the tomb, having accepted the bonus payment for extra work. While the camera focuses on Miranda for a bit, Lisa wanders off down a random corridor, and we see a shot of the slimy face of Seferamon opening his eyes. Lisa is instantly lost and runs around panicked. She almost trips over a corpse on the floor and begins screaming. They can hear her cries back on set and Rick offers to find her and bring her back. He finds her fairly instantly and she's collected without incident. Hamid, their guide, returns to the camp to see what supplies they may need and Gary pulls him aside to covertly ask for hookah stuff. Hamid suggests they all head to the village together so Gary and Jenny follow him to town. We see a quick insert of a swarm of slow mummies wandering in the desert, 
And then we see Bill telling Lisa how huge this photo set is going to be. But she's so traumatized by the body she found today that she can't bear to go back. In town, Hamid leaves Jenny and Gary at a hookah bar and heads out to Cairo. Jenny takes a half puff and is instantly choking. She says she's going to take a walk through the market, but Gary can just wait here for her to come back. While she looks at the local shops, an older man in a car rolls by and stares her down. I don't know why. Yeah. Does he come back? I don't think so. Omar, who runs the hookah shop, sits down with Gary and asks if Gary is married. Omar admits that he's getting married the next night and he would like Gary to come. Jenny notices Rick's orange Jeep pulled down an alleyway and watches it sneakily from afar. The Jeep pulls away and Jenny notices one of the Pharaoh's mummies watching her and then disappearing around a corner. She screams in fright, calling attention to herself, and Tariq grabs her and accuses her of spying on them until she breaks free and runs back to Gary. You're gonna think I'm crazy, but I saw the mummy alive. Mummy? Oh, my mummy from the tomb, I saw him, I think it was alive. I find it very hard to believe that she yeah. would think that's what this was. And Mummies Alive wouldn't come out for right. like another decade. One of the best animated series of all time. Oh, I was just assuming it was like a baby alive, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. After you just after feed some the time. mummy some flesh. You baby know. plus time equals mummy. <laughs> Gary takes her back to the jeep. We cut to a butcher shop where Tariq is chopping up meat. The mummy that scared Jenny wanders into the room carrying a butcher knife, holds it high in the air, and then buries it deep in an unconvincing approximation of the man's head. <laughs> After they cut away and back, the actor is now made up with a fake knife in his head, emulating the bizarre face of the rubber head that we just saw <laughs> murdered. Back at the camp, Melinda invites Bill and June swimming, and Bill is not interested. In Something's POV, we watch through branches as June and Melinda splash around in the water. Fully clothed! <laughs> Thanks a lot, movie. <laughs> at the camp, Bill has climbed into bed with Lisa. June starts to head back to camp, but Mel wants to keep swimming. The horses they rode from camp are gone, and Mel assumes they walked back on their own. As June walks back, we get a musical sting as a hand pops out of the sand to grab at her legs, but it misses, and she doesn't even notice it in the dark. Eventually, Melinda seems creeped out in the water and redresses to walk to camp. She seems to sense someone watching her and assumes it's Gary. Gary, is that you? Gary? She crashes right into another mummy in the trees. She turns to run and screams shrilly, outpacing the mummy by conservatively 10 miles per hour. <laughs> it poses literally no danger to her. But as she runs, she passes through the hand garden and gets her ankle grabbed. Now the snail-paced mummy is a problem, because she takes too long to break away and the mummy throws her against a tree and tears a big chunk of flesh from her neck. But she's a trooper as she shakes him loose and keeps running. Unfortunately she stumbles right into a blood beach pit and sinks into the sand and out of sight. Yeah, like she, just, she gets like graboided right yeah. into the ground. What happened? The next morning, June has realized Melinda never made it back, and Bill assumes she's off with Rick again. Everyone is very insistent that finding Melinda is their top priority, but Bill just wants to shoot without her because they have no time to lose. Rick pulls up to the butcher shop and waits for Tariq outside, but when the man takes his time coming out, Rick wanders in and finds Tariq in the meat locker with a butcher knife still jammed in his head, hanging on a meat hook. So did the mummy kill him and then hang him up? Yeah. 
He's a tidy mummy. I guess. But but Rick's reaction here is amazing. He's like screaming and just vomiting. Like vomiting. <laughs> he like it, like the whole way out of the building. Like the whole way back to his Jeep, he's like almost throwing up. Rick seems to know exactly who is responsible and stumbles down the stairs into the tomb calling for Sepharamon by name. Like he's like, I'll bet that goddamn pharaoh did it. Somehow it occurs to him that since Sepharamon is the god of the sun and the sun sets in the west, that the treasure must be hidden behind the western wall of the main chamber. Today, wouldn't wouldn't you want to be the sun rising, not the sun setting? I don't know. Moving through the chamber. Dawn of the mummy. Dawn. <laughs> it's gone. Well, they already the opened the wall on the eastern side, though. That's the whole problem. Moving through the chamber, he notices the large moving stone door has been lifted again out of its frame, revealing the treasure behind the western wall. Rick seems driven completely insane by the pile of treasure. Yeah. <laughs> Rick is my favorite part of yeah, this movie. His overreactions are legendary. We get more inserts of other standing sarcophagi until a mummy creeps into the treasure chamber with him and Rick tries to give the treasures back, but the mummy's hands are quickly tight around his neck, strangling him to death. The photo shoot has wrapped, and the surviving girls both contemplate looking for Melinda, but never commit to it. Like, eventually they got talked into, yeah, your friend's probably dead, but let's go back and do a couple more photos, and then yeah. you can look for her. Gary and Bill return to the hookah bar together to attend Omar's wedding, because that's very important. Bill bails before the wedding, and Gary seems to actually be Omar's best man. <laughs> like, yeah. He's very important to the wedding party somehow. After a moment, the bride leads a whole parade down the street toward Omar's shop. Bill knocks on the door to Rick's apartment, but nobody answers. Bill drives out to the tomb looking for Rick and Melinda and finds Rick's Jeep here. He explores the tomb calling their names, but he loses interest in his missing friends when he finds solid gold treasure chests full of massive golden figurines. He starts to carry one out of the chamber when, impossibly, Rick's head drops from the ceiling into his hands and he catches it with his outstretched arms. He drops the gold and the head and makes a run for it. He hops in his jeep and speeds the fuck out of there. Did you, you didn't say Rick's head dropped out. Isn't yeah. It, yeah. It's no, it Rick's, is Rick's head. It is Rick's it head. Is Rick's okay. head. Yeah. He comes to an area with trees and slows to a stop and is suddenly swarmed with mummies. He ditches the jeep and runs. Back at camp, Jenny has dropped a contact lens, but still manages to see a mummy waiting for her outside the tent. She runs to Lisa and June to tell them what she saw, and the mummy follows close behind her. Instead of walking briskly away, they all sit in a screaming pile on the floor as the mummy approaches. Bill shows up with a gun and unloads it into the mummy, but of course, it does nothing. When the gun is empty, Bill just keeps pulling the trigger and walking toward the mummy until it's close enough to strangle him. His hands seem to be oozing with the same corrosive stuff that destroyed Jenny's hand. So my, my note here, too, is it's so dark. I really yeah. can't see what's happening. Yeah, and it's really hard to tell these girls apart in most of the shots, too. The man is nearly instantly dead, and only now do the girls consider standing and walking away. 
They ride horses away from camp, but there's only two horses and nobody wants to share, so Jenny is just sort of dragged along for a minute until she's tackled to the ground by mummies and finally killed. Lisa just swings her horse in circles to watch Jenny die and eventually races off after June. Yeah, and this is where she says, we have to find Gary. He can help us. It's like, how? Yeah. How could he Gary help you? Gary is a specialist with mummies. It was on his CV when he applied for this shoot. We cut back to town and the wedding is in full swing. The groom stands before the crowd and he says he's headed behind a curtain to bring out his bride, but he finds her laid out on the floor with three mummies eating her entrails and he freaks out. The crowd panics. <laughs> you say that like you wouldn't freak out? No, I'd just be like, oh, crisis averted. It'd <laughs> <laughs> just be like, can I have a little bit? Just a little munch? The crowd panics and rushes for the doors as the zummy follows at a snail's pace. <laughs> they still manage to catch up with and kill many wedding guests somehow. Yeah. Uh, also, zummy is trademarked of vintage video of yes, 2023. Yes, that's right. <laughs> a man brings out a rifle and opens fire on the attacking swarm, succeeding only in pissing them off. The zombies eat brains and eyeballs right out of the heads on the ground. Gary does a lot of kicking, which seems surprisingly effective. <laughs> Hamid returns to camp and finds all the campers actively being eaten. So I imagine what got cut was some of these flesh bites. Yeah. Like, because there's some people, some of these zombies are just like full on gnawing and they're like and taking I think big chunks. The butcher knife to the head was definitely one of the shots that got cut, even though it's in the trailer. <laughs> it's not yeah. in the version of the movie that came to theaters. Hamid brings a man with him, not sure who, but the man is yanked out of the Jeep and killed. Back in town, Lisa and June are looking for Gary and find some of Rick's leftover dynamite. When a few sticks don't do the trick, they decide to lure the zombies back into the shack with the rest of the dynamite and keep finding their path blocked by more mumbies. <laughs> I just keep changing it every time. <laughs> do you guys recall the last time our protagonist's climactic plan was to lure the monster into a shed full of dynamite? Oh, man. I do. Um... Warning? Without warning? Yes, without nice. warning. Nice, nice. Paul. <laughs> Alien! <laughs> That's what, like, the starfish yeah. ninja stars. And Jack Palance yes. is just screaming at the end. So great. I was like, it's like a bizarre version of Rocky because he's saying, <laughs> Alien! <laughs> <laughs> the plan seems to work. The shed is demolished in the explosion and nothing emerges from the flames. Yet. <laughs> yeah. And then they're all, like, all the survivors. I guess the zombies are gone because yeah. everyone's just, like, excited the survivors are like hugging each other and then Gary leaps out yeah. like growling and he goes, ah, I'm just kidding. Yeah. He's completely unscathed and everyone's ecstatic to see him. It's like, why weren't you helping a second ago? <laughs> we were going to get killed by mummies. Yeah, but I was like, what the fuck, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> Gary, you're alive and a horrible shot. <laughs> As they walk down the street away from the camera, we see a mummy's wrapped hand reach up out of the flames with a musical sting and credits roll over a freeze frame. Also, the score here during the credits is amazing. Yeah, the music has been terrible the whole time, and then it's good at the very yeah. end. The remake. I don't know how anyone determined that Prisoners of the Sun was a remake, but I don't see it. The films have zero characters in common. There are no models or photographers. It's just a Raiders ripoff with good teams and bad teams hunting down artifacts to give them access to an ancient Egyptian tomb. The film even employs John Rice Davies to lead the good guy team. Weirdest of all... If this was a remake, they didn't even keep the pharaoh's name from the original. They didn't even use a pharaoh's name at all. The mummy in the film is just Osiris, the Egyptian god. 
But in the film, Osiris is just one of the Osiris, a race of ancient alien visitors who were trapped in the tomb by a beam of light from the sky, activated every 5,000 years by a specific arrangement of stars. It's produced by UV Bowl, so you can imagine the production value. Most of the aerial footage of ancient Egypt at the start looks more like a Clash of Clans commercial. <laughs> it's very rough animation for 2013. But it's trash. Don't bother with it. So that's uh, that's Dawn of the Mummy. Yeah. There's not much here. But I feel like this is ripe for a remake because it makes sense to have a mummy movie with a bunch of supermodels in it. Yeah. Like, that right. seems like a great B-movie idea. Well, and that the mummies were zombies. I think that... I. I haven't seen that in any other movie. Yeah. And in reality, in the mummy mummies coming back to life, they're dead they're mm-hmm. dead people coming back to life. So why not be zombies? Yeah. But I would like to see a version of this where like the girls are just all badasses and just killing the mummies. Yeah. And there's like a whole horde of them and all these models are just taking them out left and right. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. What was that? We I feel like we had a name for mummy with a gun i remember <laughs> we were like that'll make a great grindhouse title because because we said like uh what if the mummy had a gun though and then we we're like oh my god mummy with a gun <laughs> love that title yeah uh this movie didn't have a whole lot to it no um and because it's such a bad transfer it's hard to tell who anybody is yeah um and what's really going on from scene to scene and it's so repetitive like the three days where they're shooting in this tomb are basically yeah. the same it might as well have been one day well that's what i'm saying like the the mummy the mummy sure takes an awful lot to get mummying yeah like you know friggin uh brendan fraser all they had to do was read one sentence out of a book and it was done yeah this this is like you have to come in consistently come back with lights and light them up yeah well in the in the latest mummy it's like the mummy doesn't even get activated until the last like 15 minutes of the movie <laughs> you're like yeah. why did that take so long yeah so I would say don't bother with this one. There's nobody in it, and none of the kills are that great. Um, the only one that's kind of fun is the the butcher knife to the top of the head because that's the only one you can make out because the rest of them are so dark, that and they're just like generic, like, I strangled you, and now I set you down so that we don't have to spend any money on this kill. Yeah, and some of them are, are just nonsense, like the guy getting bonked on the head by a door as if the door has sentience. Yeah. And then... Then he's laying on his yeah, back. Yeah, I imagine the mummy just like leaning on a button. Yeah. That, like, what is doing that? <laughs> well, and then the door, then he's laying on his on his back and the door starts coming down. I was like, oh, it's going to I thought it was going to chop him in him. half, yeah. But then it just stops and goes back up. Yeah. Like, like someone's Because like, he's in the way of the laser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, the, the pharaoh has cats. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I don't want him to get crushed. But yeah. yeah, but then who drags him away? It's not clear. And, and I thought for sure- like that all those sarcophagus we're gonna open yeah like yeah. your sarcophagi we're gonna i looked inside the sarcophagi yeah <laughs> i uh, peeked behind the cyclops eye i did but he wasn't there uh yeah i thought they were gonna bust open but then i was gonna complain about that because i was like well the guards weren't in, in yeah the, in them when they, they were, were still in the gassed. dirt outside yeah yeah why were they in the dirt outside not yeah. in the dirt inside it doesn't make sense we saw them die in this room right on top of this sarcophagus yeah, put the pussy in a sarcophagus. That's from a Kanye song. Oh, was that was that the the title song for for the Mummy movie? <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Have you ever had sex with a pharaoh? Put the pussy in a sarcophagus. Um, yeah. So, uh, what are we thinking? Uh, thumbs down on this. It's for a me? Thumb, it's a thumbs down. Yeah, it's a thumbs down for me. And uh, where does this get ranked for you guys? It's pretty rank. Oh. 
Is that the first time we've made that joke? Yes. Um, first time anyone. <laughs> Ever. Ever. It's pretty low. I have it at 134 out of 167. Maybe a little higher than it ought to be. Um, Maybe. It is below all the marbles, <laughs> but above Saturday the 14th. Okay. Richard. Um, I have it at 157, uh, which puts it below the Prowler, but above Maniac. I put it at 164, which is just under Just a Gigolo and just above Gas. Our writer-director here was Frank Agrama. Almost all his films are in Egyptian or Italian until his first English-language film titled Queen Kong in 1976, and this was his next and last film. But he has a few assorted writing credits from this century, including on Robotech The Shadow Chronicles. Uh, writer and story credit for Daria Price, who also wrote The Nesting earlier this season about the agoraphobic woman trapped in a haunted whorehouse. Another writing-slash-story credit for Ronald Dobrin, who also wrote Queen Kong. The music here came from Shooky Levi, or Shucky Levi. This is one of his first composer credits, but later he had an insane run yeah. writing music for animated series, including my all-time favorite animated series theme, Inspector Gadget. Mm -hmm. He also composed Rainbow Bright, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, Mask, the Punky Brewster animated series, Heathcliff and the Cadillac Cats, Zoobly Zoo, ALF's animated series, the Dennis the Menace animated series, the RoboCop animated series, the Legend of Zelda animated series, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, Captain N and the Game Masters, the Real Ghostbusters, Camp Candy, though I believe Harry Nilsson wrote the main theme song, which he sings with John Candy. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. when I was looking him up, I was like, oh my gosh, this is such an impressive run. Yeah. Um, but mo most of the time, he didn't write the theme song. It's like the incidental music. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like he did write the theme songs for like Inspector Gadget. Yeah. You know, I'm, not gonna, I'm not diminishing any of the stuff he's done. But I was like, because I, I saw like he did like the 90s X-Men cartoon. Right, he like, did the oh. X-Men animated series, Spider-Man animated series, Big Bad Beetleborgs, Ninja Turtles, The Next Mutation, and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So he's all over the place, well into the 90s. To be fair, the only one of those I sing on a regular basis is Zoobly Zoo. Zoo. <laughs> it's the only reason it's on the list. Otherwise, I would have 100% left forgotten it forgotten it. <laughs> the cinematographer here was Sergio Rubini. He has mostly Italian titles, nothing much I recognized. The editor was Jonathan Braun. Before this, he cut The Unseen, about the ladies getting killed off one at a time during the Danish days in Solvang. Uh, he also edited Survivor and The Apprentice, so he worked in reality editing. Uh, Brenda Seamer Scheider played Lisa. She's credited as Brenda King, so I guess she's been married. Oh, yeah, she has been married. Before this, she was a ring girl in Rocky II and a secretary in Take This Job and Shove It. No huge credits, but in the late 80s, she married Roy Scheider and appeared in a couple sequests. So that's why she retains the name Scheider. I don't think they're together anymore, but yeah. she is. Well, and I, I have to say, Rick, a lot of the movie was like giving off Roy Scheider vibes. Sure, yeah. Like, I know it's like totally unrelated to anything. But just, just his, like, accent and his inflection and his voice is like, man, I feel like you're trying to be Roy Scheider. Yeah, really and the way hard. he's trying to take charge of the situation on their end. Barry Saddles played Bill. Later he shows up in a couple Airwolves, a Magnum, and a Baywatch Knights. George Peck played Rick. He's back in Death Trap next season, and he's the Puppet Master in Curse of the Puppet Master. But those are the only people with credits worth mentioning, I think, from this one. Uh, I think that's everything for Dawn of the Mummy. If you have any thoughts you'd like to share, you can find all our socials at linktree slash vintage video pod. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing Four Friends, which IMDb describes like so. 
A group of four friends formed strong bonds while in high school in the early 1960s, then desperately cling to that love during the turbulent counterculture movement and social upheavals that marked the end of the decade. We leave you now with the trailer for Four Friends. Good evening, kiddos. All the boys loved Georgia, but Georgia loved only three. My days as a virgin are drawing to a close. And away we go. She slips out of her slip. It falls. She stands there looking at me. And I'm looking at the tan she got that summer. She takes off what's left on. <laughs> I'm going crazy. <laughs> It was a time when everyone was forever beautiful, young, and free. Jack, don't you come back no more. Other arms reach out to me. She was a free spirit who touched all their lives. I'm gonna have a baby. Congratulations. It's Tom's baby. I think I better shut up. She thinks she's Isadora Duncan. Do you see, you see this skirt here? She thinks that's wonderful. She thinks this, you're weird, you know that? A time when the world seemed about to burst into flower or into flame. You want another truth? I wish I had two lives to live. I wouldn't mind spending one without you. I wanted to love all three of you. <laughs> Why does everything take so long? Five new faces you will never forget. Georgia, From award winners Arthur Penn and Steve Tesich. Four Friends, the story of all our lives. 